Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Hello, everybody. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We are streaming live today from the beautiful White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson, here in Arizona. The reason we're here, it is Movie Saturday. And it's not haunted out here. It is not haunted out here. It's all the stuntmen that died out here are still <laughs> not still <haunted>. buried. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have seen a bunch of uh, ghosts and goblins and whatnot uh, wandering around the well, grounds I saw here. Julius Caesar was I drove in. Yeah, you know, so so, uh, <laughs> so there we go. Todd yeah. Roberts is in Los Angeles. He's uh, not found us yet. He's but tardy? He's tardy, but that's um, all right. He's, uh, uh, Noah's probably getting him into his bunny costume. You know, uh, let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> we've got, uh, it's Movie Saturday, and the uh, topic of uh, today's program is Oscars and odors. Odors and Oscars. Or odors and Oscars. Either way, whatever turns your oats. You know? No, as long as the O starts, it's all good. Yeah, it's a double O show. There you go. But yeah, before that's our we, rating, double well, O. <laughs> before we get going on that, we've got a few announcements to go mm-hmm. for. Yeah, one of the things I want to mention is uh, we mentioned it last week on the show that with the uh, incident up on the rush set, rush set in uh, Silver, uh, Silver, Silver City, uh, um, Saint, Santa, Santa, Santa Fe, Fe. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in Mexico. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, there, we've been getting inquiries about uh, the episode we did with Hannah Reed, the armorer on the show, and. Our feeling is that if you want to hear the actual interview, uh, what was said, no, no comment on us or anything like that, you can you can go to our website, voicesofthewest.net, look it up, and it's the September 11th show. And download it. And download it. And, and listen we, to it. Yeah, and we we invite you to because one of the things is. What she says is in context, and it's and it said the way it's meant, not mm-hmm. how it's interpreted or, or disengaged. The media has gone out of its way to uh, take quotes from that podcast and turn them around to fit the particular narrative that they are trying to find. Yeah. And uh, I have made uh, reference to that. In fact, I have refused um, the numerous interviews with uh, NBC, with uh, Access Hollywood, with uh, uh, Brazil. Brazilian television, with Argentine television and radio. Uh, no, the podcast speaks for itself. So listen to the podcast. That is what you will you will hear. What she, the young woman has to say, and what she had to say had no bearing on whatsoever on the incident that happened in New Mexico. Exactly. Now, moving right along. Uh, this coming weekend, November 6th and 7th, uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day is the Cowboy Festival at the Empire Ranch Foundation. It's now a two-day event, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, they invite you to join them for fun for the whole family. It's located off of Scenic Highway 83, Empire Ranch Road, Sonoida, Arizona. It's just about seven miles before you get to Sonoida. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's www.empireranchfoundation.org. 
They have a $20 donation per vehicle requested. Uh, the company ranch is at 501c3. Okay, it's gonna be, they're going to have Western music and entertainment, history and cultural demonstration, ranch life exhibits, kids' activities, skilled artisans and speakers, silent auction and food. Uh, there will be ATM available. There will be an author's tent down there. Uh, one of our uh, regular contributors, Doug Hawking, will be there and several other WWA, mm-hmm. Western mm-hmm. Writers of America, mm-hmm. Uh, folks will be there. There'll be a table for the Empire Ranch Foundation Library, and that's covers that. Well, and then happening the weekend after that, actually the Saturday after that, on November the 13th, the uh, uh, Tucson Rodeo Parade Museum and Mescal Movie Set are joining together to uh, do a pretty cool event here. It's uh, See the Famous Wagons and Carriages from Your Favorite Westerns. They'll be featuring the uh, carriage from McClintock, from Oklahoma, uh, from the High Chaparral. Bunker, you probably rode in that thing a couple times. Yep. Uh, Rio Lobo, uh, the uh, Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. That, uh, no, you didn't ride in that one. You were hung. I was hanging. I was, hanging. I was hanging there when the stagecoach came in. Yeah, you were hanging around. I was waiting. You were hanging on the stage. Anyway, that's a. At the and you forgot Oklahoma. I, I did mention. Oh, Oklahoma. did you? Yes, because that, the Surrey with the fringe on top. That's right. That, that's exactly what I'm looking at the picture. Yeah. Uh, so this is happening at the uh, November 13th at uh, the Tucson Rodeo Parade Museum, and that is located at 4823 South Sixth Avenue in Tucson. A donation. Are requested. It is free admission, though, and the event is happening between 9.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the afternoon. And so uh, I think it's going to be something cool. We're going to go out there and see what's going on and uh, see what kinds of trouble we can get ourselves into. That's, and what are the dates again? That's November 6th. November 6th? That's not... I mean, sorry, the 13th. That's what I thought. Okay. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, the 6th is the Empire. Yeah, it's the now, Empire, yeah. Speaking of events, we missed it. It slipped by us, and I know we didn't know about it. But uh, the, back in the 1st of September, the Audie Murphy Medal of Honor Museum was opened up in Tombstone. Oh. And they had a ribbon cutting, uh, personnel over there, people different organizations. Uh, it's a, uh, from a private collection of Audie Murphy items and memorabilia, and the museum is at 14 North 4th Avenue, which is north of Fremont Street, across the street from Sheffield Hall. It's open daily from 11 a.m. Uh, mission is 750 for those 17 and older, 5 for 12 to 16, and, and the squirts that are 12 and under get in free. Already then. And I got one last goodie here. Very this well. is this is going back to 1941. Whoa, man, way back. I was only a year old then. <laughs> uh, anyhow, columnist Jimmy Fiddler uh, had this to say in his column: Westerns pay the bills for the costly flops produced to gratify the vanities of producers and important actors. Yet, when their names, Gene Autry. Bill Boyd, George O'Brien, Roy Rogers, Bill Elliott are mentioned in Hollywood. They either receive no recognition at all or draw a disdainful, oh, him. He's a cowboy actor. And that mentality still exists today. 
that is <clears throat> extremely bad. Yes, it is sad <laughs> because yeah, the they, they built the industry on the backbone of cowboys. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, well, you know, I that guess action pictures. It, it's it's kind of, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like being a veteran today. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the veterans do all this all the stuff. You know, we we uh, make sure that uh, the country stays free and whatnot. Yet when you try and get some benefits or whatnot, they uh, say, "Well, burp, 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 you're a veteran. Burp, you don't qualify." Yeah. How many senators and congressmen are veterans? Well, not enough. Yeah. And those that are shouldn't be there. <laughs> Let's get out of that. Our topic. The hell with the space race. Yeah, right. Our topic today is uh, odors and Oscars, Oscars and odors. What we're looking at uh-oh. are the uh, <laughs> the oh. What we're looking at here are the uh, the movies that won the Academy Awards uh, and the ones that were nominated, and then we're going to look at movies that should have been in the nomination. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, that's I interesting. See, I like I, that. Yeah. That's a nice curve there. It's, uh, things that should have been in the nomination, but weren't. And uh, then we'll try and... Uh, like the Three Stooges Western. Well, why not, you know? A Floral and Hardy Western. Well, you know, like in Golden Globes, they've got comedy div- uh, yeah. categories. You know. Well, let's go over, first of all, how are these Academy Award pictures chosen, Bunker? Well, it depends. Uh, like uh, Generally, there's an overall, they have like an overall voting for the members of the Academy. But then within, like within the actors, uh, they can vote. The Directors Guild, and they also have their own awards shows. But the people from those shows that win or are nominated generally are the front runners when it comes time for the Oscars. That's why, you know, I, there's, there's been years back when I was really following all this that I think I went one year, and out of all of the all of the movies and, and actors and different things nominated, I think I only missed one or two that didn't win. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing it on what I thought who should, mm-hmm. but I was doing it on what I was reading in the trade papers mm-hmm. and the trends. So uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh, way of recognizing something, but it's also probably a very unfair way. Instead of you know like for best actor, it should be for outstanding actors. And you know you got you got guys like you know Gary Cooper competing with John Wayne or Jimmy Stewart or whatever, and. That's not a. They're not in competition. So why is their work in a competition? Basically, then what happens with these uh, nominations and these awards? It is the the groups that make these pictures that are nominating these pictures and, and choosing them, uh, choosing the winner. If it's from that within that group, kind of. Because what happens is they, they, they like I say, they have their award shows and everything like that, and the Academy which is the Academy of Motion Pictures all right. blah 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 uh, they are the ones that actually make the final selections for it and that's done you know I'm, I'm assuming with deliberation and arguments and, mm. and uh, cocktails you know Todd would be good at that part so does the public have any input into this the People's Choice Award People's Choice Award which doesn't mean squat exactly all of the, and you know I, it, it's like you know how do you take a picture that nobody saw and I mean literally nobody saw and it wins best picture 
And then you get a picture that sold more tickets that year than any movie in the world, mm -hmm. and it doesn't get any nomination at all. Mm -hmm. Now you go, what determines best? Is it the, is it the attendance of the audience? How many people went to see it? Uh, you know, if that's the case, Gone with the Wind is one of the all-time greatest movies because it set attendance records that are still exist in some places. Sure, and probably the longest movie ever, too. <laughs> no, no, no. The Russians made one movie that was two days long. Jeez. They showed it in seven-hour seven hour clips. Well, in looking at the list of... War and the, Peace. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. In looking at the list of Academy Award-winning uh, pictures, there... You have to wonder why some of these pictures were even listed as possibles uh, to, to, to win. Uh, and then there's some in here who were listed but didn't win, and you got to wonder why. Well, a lot of it, again, it's just like, it's like right now today in our modern world media. Uh, one, studios... They can advertise in the trades, and the people voting are the people that are in the industry. So they're reading the trades. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you an example, with the Alamo, uh, Chill Wills uh, nominated, uh, got himself a nomination, and and then he just went bonkers with the advertising and self-promotion mm -hmm. to the point that it irritated Wayne. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it didn't affect their friendship, other than he probably, you know. Uh, took Chill over to a corner somewhere, sometime, someplace, and said, Hey, what the hell are you doing, Pilgrim? <laughs> and, you know, but that's that's so typical. The studios, sometimes, well, just to give you an example, it's not unusual at all for a studio to actually end up spending more money on advertisement and a promotion than they did on the movie itself. Which, which, again, you go, that's strange. But in today's world, you've got to get the audience into the seats. And how you know, how can you do it? You can't pick up a newspaper and read to see what's playing in the, in the theaters. They don't do that anymore. You can't open up a newspaper and look for theater times. They don't have that anymore. You've got to go to the Internet. You've got to go to the different things. And you're competing with all the other medias, you know, cable, streaming, uh free air, you know, DVDs, and it's 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 gotten more difficult. In fact, I, I see a day when what will happen is that they'll just do away, there'll just be one big pot, and it'll be, you know, everybody that wants to nominate themselves for something, and they can even make up their own category, can do so, and then they'll have a worldwide internet uh, vote-in. <laughs> What do the studios get out of uh, having an award winner? Well, for one thing, you can take a movie that's been released, is not making any money, gets a nomination. Uh, people will go see it because it's nominated. Now, if it wins, it may double or triple or even more make what it did before the awards show. Mm -hmm. uh, and there has been cases where that's happened and it didn't help them at the box office at all. But generally, it's it's much, just getting the nomination means more seats in the theater and it, winning should mean a whole lot more seats in the theater. Plus, nowadays, with the sales of DVDs and stuff like that, it doesn't hurt to have on the, on the, uh, on the case, you know, Academy Award winner, Gone with the Turkey, you know. So, would that prompt you to purchase that DVD if you saw that? It would, some people. 
you know, there's very little to prompt me to purchase anything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cheap, tight, and stingy. And you're not even Scottish. No, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm Scottish, Jewish, Scrooge McDuckish. All right, now that we've offended everybody. Yeah, all the cartoon characters especially. Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, Academy Award winners here uh, that were not the Westerns. So in 1927-28, Wings, great, 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 great silent movie. Uh, William Wellman produced and directed the uh, the picture. Uh, even He was even in it. And essentially it's a story of uh, fighter pilots in World War One. And kind of his... Not semi-autobiography, but, but pretty doggone close. Drawn on his experiences yeah. in Lafayette Escudero. So I mean, that was a, a great movie. I thought, but uh, that's not on my list because it's not a. Lot. I understand. I know that. that, right? That's where that's where we're going to be bouncing gonna, that back and forth. We're going to be going. Show. We're going to be going there. Uh, <laughs> oh, look out! He's punching me. Oh, Harry, don't hit me so hard. Nineteen twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Uh, the Broadway Melody uh, won the award. That was a western. No, the only oh. western that was in contention for. Uh, the award that year was in old Arizona. You know, it's Raoul Walsh movie. Raoul Walsh movie. Uh, Warner Baxter playing uh, the Cisco kid. Raoul was supposed to play the Cisco kid. In fact, there are some long shots of him that uh, uh, still exist as the Cisco, but as the Cisco kid. But uh, on a way back to Los Angeles, uh, Walsh was involved in an uh, accident, auto accident, and uh, lost his eye. Poked out his eyeballs. Yeah. So. Uh, they had to recast, and Warner Baxter was the guy. Well, here's some. Here's some. This is this is really an important movie, more so than a lot of people realize. Uh, Baxter, as the Cisco Kid, was the first cowboy star to actually sing on the screen. Uh, they had sound and singing, and the song was "My Tonia." Mm-hmm. It was the first Cisco talking, because they had made Cisco's before that. Right. First all sound odor. Uh, Baxter's first talkie. Uh, it was, who was it? What was her name? Uh, the little gal in that. Uh, Dorothy Burgess. That was her first movie. It was the first talkie filmed outdoors on location. Right. Uh, as I said, Baxter won an Oscar. There was a nomination for Best Picture and Director. It was based on the Caballero's Way, which was, I think, an O. Henry story. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it also was an Oscar nomination for Adopted Screenplay for Tom Berry, and an Oscar nomination for Cinematography, Black and White, for Arthur Edison. Now, the Broadway Melody, which won the award, now, nothing against musicals. I love musicals. I'll, I'll come out and say it. I love them. They're great. Uh, most musicals. Uh, not all musicals, but uh, from the 1930s and 40s and 50s, uh, the musicals were, like, way up there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I understand why that may have... Uh, have, may have gotten the nod there. Um, Odors and Oscars is the uh, topic for today's uh, Voices of the West. We're streaming live from the uh, White Stallion Ranch here in Tucson. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here as well. Don't know where Todd is. He's someplace, but uh, we're going to take a commercial break here and be back with much more of our show right after these important messages. Stay tuned. 
Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investments based on client expectations. They build relationships and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them and they'll help you as they did us design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Look, you've hung around long enough. It's time for you to move on. That just happens to be your opinion. I'm backing up my opinion. Now make tracks or eat smoke. If I see you around here tomorrow, start shooting. This is the Voices of the West. I love someone on the Texas prairie, an outdoor girl whose name is Mary. We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander and Bunker de France. And uh, that's, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's the Jimmy Wakeley trio. Uh, the movie is uh, from uh, a Buck Jones movie called Tombstone Law. So uh, that's... You know, going back to that eating smoke, I don't mind eating smoke at this barbecue. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's see. Let's move on here. I got us another one here. And this is a good one because it's a good example of winning an Oscar and also getting a ton of nominations. Okay. It's Cimarron, 1931. You know? Yeah. Uh, black and white, RKO. The director was Wesley Ruggles from a novel by Edna Ferber. Uh, moving was, on through here. That was a damn good movie. It was. You saw it just recently. I did, yes. Uh, the score was by Max Steiner. Uh, it starred Richard Dix, Irene Dunn. It had Estelle Taylor in there and Roscoe H., Edna Mae Oliver, 
uh, just a fine, fine cast. They shot it out. It was shot in California out at Bakersfield and at the Jasmine Quinn Ranch, is which, which was where they shot the land rush scenes, mm-hmm. and down at Venice and Inglewood, of all places, and the RCO, RKO Casino Ranch and at the studios. And uh, uh, for the uninitiated, it's essentially a film about the uh, when the Cimarron Strip was opened up to uh, settlers. Well, what it is is it follows uh, the family saga of empire building right. in Oklahoma Territory, right. starting with the land rush, right. and you know, which you on. think would be the climax, yeah. and ends in eight, uh, 1929. Now, the picture won a Best Picture, Best uh, Writer, Best Best Adapted Screenplay with Howard Easterbrook. It was also Best Art Director by Max Ray. And then the nominations was for Richard Dick as a Best Actor, Irene as Best Actress, and that was her first movie. And then the director, Wesley Ruggles, was nominated. And the cinematographer, Edward Conager. And, you know, that's a that's a pot full of nominations and wins and everything else. Definitely, definitely. Now, the next time we see a Western in uh, in the running for an Academy Award is... uh, Let me scroll down my list here. I guess we could call Viva Via a Western, couldn't we? It's a modern Western. Modern Western, 1934, basically the story about Pancho Villa. Oh, that is definitely, yeah, that is, in fact, I've got some stuff on that one here, too. Villa, Villa, let me tell you about it while you find that information. Uh, 1934 pre-code film, Jack Conway was the director. Wallace Beery is uh, the Mexican revolutionary Pancho Villa. Uh, Screenplay, Ben Hecht, adapted from the 1933 book Viva Villa by Edgecrum Pinchon and O.B. Stayed. You know, Wallace Berry being the brother of Noah Berry, and, and the uh, uncle of Noah Berry Jr. Jr. A bitch, yeah. Well, you know, the, it's it's funny because I love Noah Berry, and I I thought he did. Well, this is Wallace good, Berry. He did a ton of Mexican stuff. It's Wallace Berry that we're talking about. Uh, I say, I say, oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> Noah, did Noah was great, but he didn't do good Mexican. He did French Canadian. Yes, he did. <laughs> but the thing is that uh, uh, Noah, he did a ton of, and and nowadays, and again, this is this is getting into that area that everybody runs away and hides. But politically correct. The uh, Latino community, uh, he's a bad taste in their mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's sad because, you know, it's all about, you know, acting is about acting, you know. Otherwise, all you can, all I could play is an 81-year-old broken up dummy, you know, that's mm-hmm. it. And that's not what acting's about. You know, I should be able to play I should be able to play Mickey Mouse if I want. You could. Oh, and I'm gonna play Mickey Mouse, damn it. See? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, what, what were you talking about? Uh, I was talking about uh, Viva Via. Viva Via, yes. How you. Well, I'm, you, you pretty much covered it for me, aren't you? Well, that, uh, that went up against uh, where, where was I here? <laughs> I'm lost again now. Uh, I feel like Joe right. Biden, that's for God's right. sake. That's the way we always are. What so. am I doing? Where am I? Uh, White Stallion. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm on White Stallion. Boy, I'm, I'm totally lost here. <laughs> okay. Well, you want to move on to another yeah, please. film? Okay. Go for it. Well, let's move over to High Noon. There we go. Because this is, this is, of course, this is a controversial film in a lot of ways because... Uh, 
Rio Bravo was made because of that and a couple of others. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the liberal versus conservative uh, movie thing. And you know what I think? I think both sides are full of crap because <laughs> I knew it was a movie and mm -hmm. it was a western and I liked it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what everybody wanted, but they were letting their politics guide their their thinking on this. Because if you look at the movie, it has got tension, it's got timing. It's you know it's a good movie. It was made in 1952. It ran about 85 minutes in black and white. It was a Stanley Kramer production, and you can even watch it colorized if you can't stand black and white for the young squirts of the day that don't know what black and white's all and about. It seems to take away from the movie, I think. If oh, you, black and white is the only way. You know, if, if it's made in, in black and white, watch it in black and white, for Christ's sake. You know, as I was a kid growing up in the early days when I could get to watch a television and I'd see a Western movie on TV, yeah. I don't care what the Western movie was, whether it was shot in black or white, of color, it was shown in black and white because it didn't have color until about 1964 on television. You know? Exactly. So, you know, hey. It doesn't matter much. Yeah. Uh, the producer was the great Carl Foreman, who was also part of the bone of contention because he was he was uh, one of the people that was brought up in the uh, witch hunt period. Uh, Kramer also, uh, Stanley Kramer also did the story, I think. No, that one. It was John Cunningham. Uh, screenplay is also Foreman. Who's skipping around here? Okay. Uh, the title, this is interesting because uh, uh, the title song, the composer was Dmitry Tomkin, the lyrics was Ned Washington's, it was sung by Tex Ritter, and the title of the song was not High Noon, it was Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Mm -hmm. But that was a it, that helped the movie more than anything else because it came out before the movie did. And it got radio play. It got tons of radio play, and it wasn't expected to be a... And mm -hmm. it was a number one hit, too, you know. And, of course, you move into the cast with Gary Cooper, Thomas Mitchell, uh, Lloyd Bridges, you know, Katie Giraldo, Grace Kelly. That was her first picture. You had Lon Chaney in there. You know, you just... You go on and on. Harry Morgan, you know, uh, Sheb Willie, Lee Van Cleef made it. Made that was one of his first. Bob Wilkie, Harry Shannon. It was just oh, you go on and on and on. I mean, I, I could do half the show on on uh, on that. Because they shot a location out at the Iverson Ranch, at Columbia Ranch, and the Warner Ranch, and Columbia and Tulum City, Tulum County. Now, this is one of the things I thought was interesting. Gregory Peck was producer Stanley Kramer's first choice for, for Joe mm -hmm. Gain. Mm -hmm. And other candidates for the show was Kirk Douglas, Henry Fonda, Marlon Brando. So, you know, when you see the movie and you think, well, Gary Cooper was the first choice. No. He was down the line. But that was so typical of stuff over there. It had to do, a lot of times it had to do with what the last picture you did, whether it made money. Let's drop back about uh, 25 years and uh, to 1939 when uh, the next Western is up there for uh, the possibility of winning an Academy Award. And that Western was Stagecoach. Oh, yes. But it didn't win because it was going up against Wuthering Heights, The Wizard of 
of Oz of Mice and Men, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Dark Victory, and Gone with the Wind. I mean, that's a hell of a, uh, uh, a slate there. Uh, Gone with the Wind won it, but uh, Stagecoach, I'm thinking, could have been and probably should have been right up there. Gone with the Wind was fine. No quite, yeah. It's an g- g- excellent movie. Good movie. Long, but a good movie. <laughs> and frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn about it. But uh, the point is, Stagecoach, uh, lots of action. Lots of action. You know, one of the interesting things, and, and we've talked about this before on the show, but 1939 is considered by a lot of people the greatest year for westerns, mm-hmm. but it's also considered the greatest year for great movies as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So when you when you've got a, a thing like that, you know you've got a hell of a pot to mm-hmm. pick from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know it was it was uh, released in February of '39. It ran for 97 minutes. Uh, and it was John Ford, of course, was the director. Uh, and it was based on a story by Ernest Haycock, staged to Tucson, Lordsburg, excuse me. Uh, the screenplay was by Dudley Nichols. And, of course, you get down in into, into the cast. You've got Claire Trevor, uh, John Carradine, Thomas Mitchell, Andy Devine, Donald Meek, uh, Louise, Louise Pratt, Tim Hort, George Bad, uh, Bancroft as the sheriff, Curly. I, I love Bancroft. Yeah. It was great. It's an all-star cast. It's yeah. a great movie uh, no matter when you watch it yeah. even if you don't watch it as part of your Academy Award movies to watch uh, it's still a great movie and, and the plumber gang Whoa, and, what a bunch of nasties and it's one that should be watched and on that note we got to take our next commercial break here so uh, what? Oscars and odors odors and Oscars the topic mm-hmm. today give me some oats we'll be back with much more of Franzi's Voices of the West after this when looking for a property management company here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business. Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. 
The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. A little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around. And that's just a gentle hitch. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Docs to get that bullet out of your shoulder, Get a Renahench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Hi folks, Stan Ivar here. It was John Carter on Little House. Little House, a new beginning to be exact. And you're listening to Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. Back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts has joined us. He's here. He's here. I'm well, here. say something, Todd. He's here by phone. Halloween rules and goblins. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. What's that, yes. Harry? He, he's got well, you know. g- g- uh, ghouls and goblins he is uh, encountering. Uh, that, that, that wouldn't be the uh, urban campers that you got there in Los Angeles, would it? Bourbon campers? Oh, no. Urban no, no. campers. Bourbon campers. Yeah, they're, they're, well, there are bourbon campers. And that's uh, I've always wanted to join up with them, but they won't let me in. Uh, no. They don't you take know. lightweights. Odors and Oscars no. is the topic for today's uh, Voices of the West program, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch in beautiful, well, north of Tucson, the beautiful the, the White Stallion Aver Ranch, Valley. north of Tucson, uh, just about the Aver Valley. And uh, we're just jumping around here. Uh, Todd Bunker and I have gone through a couple of uh, decades already. All over the place. <laughs> well, you got to catch up. You know what do you? What's your contribution? Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, we, we've we've talked about 1939, uh, and uh, we're fixing to get into uh, round 43 here. And uh, then Let me d- just tell them the movies we did. Now. Well, yeah, we've we've covered the, all the Oscar winners up through 1940. No, we haven't. 
Oh, you have. I, I have. have. I don't know what you're doing over I there. I know, and I don't know what he's doing over there, That's so it works sure. out. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, uh, basically what I'm doing here is I'm talking about the movies that were also nominated, the Westerns that were nominated in uh, a particular year. And who they competed with. And, and who they competed with. And uh, then we decide should that have won or not. And uh, I have no, I have no opinion. Yeah, well, uh, yes, I do, but I'm I, I, my my opinions don't matter until we get into the 1970s. <laughs> I didn't get to. The, I only got up to about 1954, yeah. and that was around 129 of them movies that I looked through. So, yeah. so let, let me just. I apologize for probably being redundant, but. Um, I don't think Cimarron deserved uh, a Best Oscar uh, nomination. Really? Uh, I, I, that's just me. The original with Richard Dix. I just never, I never thought it was, um, you know, it, it just never grabbed me. I, and I don't. I think probably um, the Glenn Ford version is better. But obviously, many people don't think that because it didn't win anything. Right. Um, but. You know, I think that it's important as a uh, as a mile marker in the history of the Western because, uh, as we know, in Blazing Saddles, David Huddleston gets up and says, "You know, we fought locusts and we fought Indians and we fought outlaws." And you remember when Richard Dix, Richard Dix tried to take over this town? Well, that's a nod to Richard Dix and Cimarron, mm-hmm. just as so many other parts mm-hmm. of the film are a nod. Uh, Randolph, you, know, you do it for Randolph Scott. No, Randolph Scott. <laughs> And we all three place yeah. our hands over our hearts. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, or, you know, any of the other Real inside pants. jokes of that film. Yeah. Um, yeah. That are all pain. I think everything it mentions are really worthy, worthy things in the history of the Western. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I would say that I think that Stagecoach does that definitely needs to be recognized as one of the it should have been nominated it's definitely it was. you know it, I think it deserved to win if you yeah. know I, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me about um, you know uh, Philadelphia story should have won but I I disagree uh, you know I think that that film is to this day stands up to any other western mm-hmm. yeah. um, we and I think on. that John Wayne deserved best Actor for an Oscar, I know it's not best picture for the Searchers. Um, you know there are many times that we've seen great films almost go un, even unnoticed mm-hmm. practically in in westerns, uh, whether it's Shuwari Yellow Ribbon or it's, uh, um, which I think is Wayne's other greatest performance. Um, uh, I think that Lee Marvin should have been nominated for The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, uh, Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that Hollywood does not like to embrace its past, um, and you know, definitely its its Western past. Well, for um, for example, in 1941, here were the uh, contenders for the Oscar: How Green Was My Valley, Blossoms in the Dust. Citizen Kane, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Hold Back the Dawn, The Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, One Foot in Heaven, Sergeant York, and Suspicion. Now, How Green Was My Valley was the winner, but I'm sorry, Citizen Kane should have won because Citizen Kane is the best picture that has ever been made. 
Well, you know, I want to I want to go back to something here for a second, though. What Todd was saying, because you know, we we touched on uh, Cimarron and uh, stagecoach while Todd was out there drinking bourbon. No, he was he was Halloweening. With oh, Halloweenian. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but one, one, one of the remember something. It was no candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, rum candy. Yeah, but one she, of the she's things wrapped me up in in in, in decorations <laughs> and put me out on the front lawn. We thought <laughs> we, we thought you were probably putting you in a little bunny suit and a zipper got stuck. But that's uh, Easter. That's Easter. Yeah, well, it's Easter. But you know, one God. of the one of the reasons that we we spent some good time on Cimarron, and one of the reasons that we did though was because with Cimarron. It won some awards, and it was nominated for a bunch of awards. And that's part of what I wanted to do with this episode, with this episode is to, to show people that uh, Westerns are more than just the movies that they won. Mm-hmm. That, I, Like I said, I've got 129 in my stack here, and that's only going up to 1954. These were all Westerns that were nominated in some category. Well, and then those that weren't nominated, like The Big Sky. Oh, well, The Big Sky was nominated well, for some okay. stuff. Okay, but, but it know, didn't win. It, uh, it, it didn't win a best picture. No, but, uh, right. But right. And then here's but the thing with, like Todd said, with Stagecoach, uh, again, uh, Stagecoach didn't win what it should have won, which I agree, but it did have a ton of nominations. Well, actually, it did win for best supporting actor, but this is one of the things I pointed out for 1939, which almost everybody agrees is one of the greatest years for Westerns ever, but it was also one of the greatest years for movies overall ever. Mm-hmm. So it was it was like, yeah. it was a cornucopia of what the hell do I pick? And so well, it I've comes always, down to favorites. I've always felt it was unfair that you know, it's it's coined in 1939 as the as the uh, golden age of Hollywood, the apex of the greatest films ever made. I don't know how you can say that in no, 39 without including Maltese Falcon in 41, Casablanca in 42, Rebecca yeah. in 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, Birth of a you Nation, know, back in the silence, of, yeah. you know, uh, Hell's Hinges. There's a new experience. The content of Birth of a Nation, but you can't argue uh, about the quality of the production value and, the, and what, the, what it the, what it contributed to the industry itself as far as technique and what you shoot, how you shoot. Yeah, we've talked so many times on the show about the contributions that Griffith made to all film. Period. Whether it's a documentary or it's a feature film or it's television. It doesn't matter. He, he's the octopus mm-hmm. with the longest tentacles that there are. Um, no one can get away from his shadow. Mm-mm. They could run from now to eternity. They can't get out of his shadow of what he accomplished and what he contributed. The directors, the actors, this, the cameramen, yeah, the people that he the, created. He created the overhaul, the, the overhead shot. He created the motion shot. He, he created all of that. Um, Dissolves, was, you know, time lapse. Yeah, it's all him. So, and 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 you can say, well, you can argue whatever you want, but the three greatest artists of the day all endorsed him: mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin, uh, Mary Pickford, and Douglas Fairbanks Sr. Mm-hmm. As Chaplin said, um, uh, Griffith, we all just watch. Mm. And well, I think that 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 encapsulates what he did. I will also say in 
and you know, not to sound like I'm flip-flopping, uh, like someone in Washington that we all know, um, but uh, you know, the the the, the, list is too long. the production, uh, the production quality and production value that Cimarron brought to the screen, the mm-hmm. things that it did with the with the uh, the Oklahoma land rush and so on, trying to recreate that, capturing it on film. Those are all things that it deserve. That's where it does deserve recognition and awards. It's just I never liked the story of a guy who abandons his family. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can call me prejudiced, but I you just are prejudiced. It, it's so hard for me to subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, here's, here's the thing too. We need to, you know, I always, I always kind of harp on this, but you know. I don't try to judge Cimarron from 2021. I try to judge Cimarron from 1931, uh, going into the dark theater, uh, you know, in the midst of the Depression, going into the theater, just a dumb old country boy, going in there to be entertained, and walking out of that movie just blown away. But you see, the problem is not everybody goes along that same line oh, as know, you do. I know. And that's very unfortunate because if they looked at it from the eyes of somebody going to the theater in 1931, I think they would have a totally different picture oh, or idea of what that movie was all about. That's like the silence, people that don't like yeah. silence because there's no sound, or because <laughs> when they saw it in the early days of TV, yeah. the TV uh, overcranked it because yeah. they thought it made right. it funny. Right, right. And it they weren't shot that way. Yeah. Hey, we got to. We got to. And only to take that point a step further is that you know a film that deserves a lot of recognition that gets very little is the Big Country yes. for oh, a yes. huge sweeping yes. Western on on truly to an extent. I'll, I'll I'll try to offend as many people now when I say this, but <laughs> Please, uh, biblical portions. Yep. It's a biblical Western. Yep. Because it, it's it's everything. Another one that I would love to point out that I think never gets any, no one even remembers it, is the man from Laramie yes. with Jimmy Stewart and Arthur Kennedy and Don Crisp, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's King Lear um, yeah. in the West. It's a fabulous film, uh, and it deserves every All those Jimmy, all those Jimmy Stewart's in that era, yeah. Agreed. Hey, well, we had Anthony Mann, which, yeah. you know, gave it a leg up. We got to do Mann, our... Basically turned took the, uh, took, took the the film noir and put it in the West and then put uh, Stewart in it, which gave it credibility and and a human uh, humanality to it. Well, speaking uh, of humanality, we need to do a commercial. That's right. We got to finish up our commercial breaks here. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back with much more after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. You know what you've done? Yeah, potted a polecat. And don't force me to make it two. You've shut an officer of the law. I'm gambling on him not being an officer. You've overplayed your hand. Now get out, quick. Give me those papers. I'm keeping them. Come on, you're cluttering up the trail. Move! This is the Voices of the West. Me and my pony are free. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. We're talking about odors and Oscars, or Oscars and odors, whatever your preference. I'm just thinking, you know, because we just we always segue with a song. I'm going to mention two songs that were nominated. Yes, please. Uh, I couldn't find them. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Buttermilk Sky mm-hmm. from... Uh, Actually, I have that one. I just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's Buttermilk, Old Buttermilk Sky, and then there was Mule Train from yeah. Singing Guns. Yeah. Both of them were nominated for, you know, for best songs. Yeah. Know? Well, you know, I don't think we're going to get any... Uh, uh, Resolve on what we think Who ought to be. Resolve. I want controversy. Well, I, you know, in, in terms of of, of 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 
what movies should win or should have been there. But I got to tell you, I for the life of me have no idea. Now, we only let me back up. Only three westerns ever won the uh, the best picture award: Dances with Wolves, uh, The Unforgiven, and um, Unforgiven. Uh, Unforgiven. Uh, Dances with Wolves and Cimarron. Uh, the only three westerns that have ever won that particular list uh, or uh, the best movie. I got to ask, and I, I really don't know why, Brokeback Mountain is in there with one of those that was suggested to be uh, a, a top contender. That movie sucked. Well, literally. You know, I, I think part of the answer to that is the culture of the day. You know, and, who you gives know, a crap? And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board there. I know people are going to say, oh, homophobia and all that uh, stuff. I could and it has nothing less. to do with it. It no. has to do with my morals and my beliefs. And I, I'm <clears throat> cowboy, and I just, I don't want to watch two cowboys walking lips. Yeah. I just, that's just not my cup of tea. Cowboy and a steer. To see that, cowboy and a steer, different story. Yeah, well, that's those sheep. I prefer sheep myself, but that's, that's I'm Basque. You know what can I say? Todd. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lost him on that. This homophobe. I hear you down there. Uh, thank you. So I always say, you know, you can you can say whatever you want, but you know, in the end, the film. What bothered me about the film is it wasn't a film about cowboys. They were sheep herders. So yeah. they were sheep men. They weren't cowboys. Well, they were one. cowboys that were reduced to sheep herders. But that's <laughs> that's not the point. You know, it's just well, I don't want to see that. The other thing was is that hat that uh, uh, that Heath Ledger wore is not a cowboy hat. That was a straw hat he bought at a, a pick and save or something. No real self-respecting cowboy would have worn that hat. Mm. But then there, of course, is the part about, you know, two guys chasing each other around, um, you know, naked. No, I, no, thank you. Not interested. I, In fact, when it came out, um, I was with a very close friend of mine, Chris Warren. We were, um, we were in L.A. and his sisters and all his nieces were going to see Brokeback Mountain, and I went over to her, one of the sisters' houses, to pick him up, and he and I were going to go hang out for the day. And his sisters, who I know very well, were like, "Come on, Todd, come on, come on, we know you want to go see Brokeback Mountain with us. Tell Chris you want to go, so he'll go." <laughs> and I said to the sisters, "I said, girls, um, I've known you many years, and I've known your brother even longer. Um, we've been running around." Um, with each other uh, wearing cowboy hats and thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West